I often wonder if fishing on the Sea of Galilee is, is as idyllic as I imagine it. Quiet days spent throwing and hauling nets with all your people. I mean, even if the company isn't that great, the work seems not too bad. I suppose, though, that, that this is a bit of naive thinking. Fishing, net fishing in particular, is hard work. It requires skill and patience formed by lots of practice. I imagine lots of days spent throwing and hauling and fixing nets before you get your first big haul. Still, though, it could be peaceful if you like fishing with a net. I wonder what the disciples imagined fishing for people would be like. Maybe they imagined quiet days spent wandering from city to city, mingling among the people, waiting to share the good news. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Or perhaps something else caught them. Maybe they realized that fishing was hard work. Maybe they didn't really like to fish. Maybe they were only fishing because it's what their dad did, and they really had no other choice. And along comes this man, this rabbi, a, a great teacher, and comes among them and says, follow me. Maybe they thought, why not? What do I have to lose? Something about his offer is compelling enough that they leave behind the life they know. Maybe it was just easy enough to imagine that catching people is simpler than catching fish. I have this vision of the disciples standing near Jesus, maybe like in a half circle behind him. And maybe Jesus is healing a blind man. And I begin to project all of my thoughts onto the disciples. And sometimes, many times, these are thoughts of doubt or fear. I mean, imagine witnessing 5,000 fed with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. Or consider the raising of Lazarus. Or standing at the foot of the cross. Or imagine witnessing Mary coming into the room, telling tales of an empty tomb, and perhaps running yourself to the same tomb, wondering what is happening. Is this the life that they expected, that I expect? And what happens next? And how will I know the way? How can I embody the good news? Our gospel begins this morning with the arrest of John the Baptist. It's barely even a sentence. It is our first clue that discipleship is not easy. While John is a prophet, he is also the first to know Jesus, the first to preach the good news. And John's ministry gets him arrested, 
and eventually beheaded. And Jesus begins to mirror John's preaching, proclaiming the good news of repentance. More than that, he preaches the kingdom of God. Now, if Herod's reaction to John the Baptist announcing a gospel of repentance and the future reign of God, if that gets John beheaded, what could possibly be in store for the one who proclaims he brings the reign of God? If we know the gospel, we know that Jesus will encounter more than just trouble from Herod. He will give him his whole life. And so a disciple might wonder, what does this mean for us? In Mark's gospel, Jesus is practically sprinting to the cross. It's almost like he can't get there fast enough. He moves from one event to the next with this compassionate urgency. And the way to the cross, as we experience it in Jesus, is not an ideal way of life, or at least not the way I imagine an idyllic life might be. It is hard. Jesus says to the disciples, take nothing for your journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. The ministry of discipleship requires very little of us, except that it demands our whole lives. To follow Jesus, we must lose our lives for his sake. Alex agrees. Of course, if we know the story of Jesus, we know that discipleship is hard work, right? I'm not telling you anything. I'm not preaching anything that's not been said a million times before by a lot better preachers. And when Jesus calls the disciples, he's on the road to Jerusalem, the cross and the empty tomb. It's a long road, and it's not straight, and it's not idyllic. There are hungry, sick, and dying people. In Jerusalem, there is persecution, trial, the cross, and an empty tomb. Following Jesus brings the disciples close to all of it, every person, place, and moment. The pain, the grief, the healing, and the joy. In my short life and years of ministry, I've learned a lot about hard things. I've been with people that I love as we said goodbye to friends and parents, lovers, and even enemies. I've waited to hear what the doctor will say, how the surgery went, and ideas about what the next steps might be. I've brought food to people overwhelmed by all that life can bring. I've listened to the hurting stories of the addicted, the abused, and the lost. Being human is hard. And here's the rub, for me anyway. I don't like hard things. I like easy things. I like 
good, solid, quiet afternoons with a book that I can lose myself in. I like mornings with long walks, slow, steady walks, and quiet moments spent in prayer. I like sitting in a boat on the water, waiting for the fish to bite. And yet Jesus stands on the shore and cries out, Follow me. Join me here on the shore. Come with me while we do hard things. Come with me and let us together love God and our neighbors. I think perhaps the most important part of this call is that Jesus doesn't call one disciple. Jesus calls 12. And more than that, every single gospel tells us that there's a whole crowd of people that follow him everywhere he goes. In other words, Jesus calls us all to follow him. Now, I hear a lot of people say some things about being a priest and being a bishop and being a minister that we lead are tempted to have a lonely life. And that makes me curious. Because you see, none of us are meant to be on our own. The call to follow Jesus is the call to join Christ's body, to be a full member of that body, the community of disciples. And there is great joy when we walk into the hospital or the waiting room and we discover that we're not alone. There is a comfort to standing or sitting side by side in places where our community hurts. Discipleship doesn't happen in a vacuum. We don't walk the road to the cross or the empty tomb by ourselves. We do it together. And so you see, I was wrong earlier. We're tempted to think I did those things, but I didn't do any of the things that I mentioned earlier. I did them in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is present whenever we're together. The kingdom of God waits with the dying, soothes the suffering, feeds the hungry, rejoices with one another. We are Christ's disciples, and together we do hard things. Following Jesus is no small thing. We begin with repentance, this 180-degree turn away from all that draws us from God and towards Christ's way of compassion and love. We lay down our lives. We turn towards Christ. And we might wonder, are we ready? Or how will we do it? Or where are we going? What it will all mean to follow Jesus. We might even wonder, but who else is going to be there? But what matters most is that we're not alone. The kingdom of God is very near to us. The body of Christ is right here, right now. 
for waiting for the right time and the right moment. This is it. Look up from your nets. Let us follow Christ to care for the sick and the hungry, the abandoned and the dying, the forgotten and the abused, wherever Jesus may lead us. We have all we need to follow him all the way, and we do it together. I'm so grateful. We do it together. Thanks be to God.